a little primer I want to give this morning for five or 10 minutes. If you go to uh, Psalms chapter 86, Psalms 86, Kyle was with Lizzie and I on Monday this week, helping bring our beloved little boy into the world. Thank you all for praying for him, for his life. Thank you for praying for Lizzie. And I was holding him this week, so little. And this being who was not just a few months prior is now existing in my hands. And from nothing, God created something. And I was just meditating on that and thinking, who is this God? Have you ever thought about that and just kind of backed up to the 30,000 foot view and said, who are you? And why are you even making things in the first place? Like, why did you even make the universe or me or this baby in the first place? What moved God to do that? Because he was perfectly content in the Trinity. He was not lonely, as some say. He was not looking for a place to dwell. The heavens can't contain me, he says. You're not gonna make anything on earth to contain. God was perfectly happy, perfectly content, and he had no beginning, and he has no end. And just to think about that for a moment, to really step back and say, why? In the first place, why would you do this? So as I was looking and I was pondering, I was reading this psalm, and I just the Lord started to unpack some things that were so helpful for me. Psalms 86, verse 9, verse 8, among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name for you are great and you do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And so this God without beginning and end, who is not only all wise, he is wisdom, He's not only all-powerful, he is power. He's the God, Jesus. It says all things were made through him and for him and to him. Jesus created the nations. And that's why they can be his inheritance because he made them in the first place. He's not taking anything that's not rightfully his in the first place. And so I began to think about how God made this little baby and in so, in, 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 the big picture, he made all the babies, all the nations. Before that, he made the angels to worship him, but he decided to make image bearers of a higher order than angels. Right now, we're underneath, we're subject to angels, but someday, and we originally made higher than angels to be worshipers. And it says, the nations you've made will come and worship before you to bring you glory. And this is where I feel like he started to unpack why he did what he did. Why did he make angels? And then why did he make men and make nations? And it's because I believe a little hint comes to us in the first blessing of man to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill. And so God says, I've made you in my image because I am fruitful and I multiply and I fill. And that's what he's doing in the universe now. He's making image bearers. He's making sons 
and he's being fruitful as he's doing that. He's expanding his glory in the universe and he's multiplying that out. And then he's filling all things with himself, Ephesians 1.23 and 4.10. All in all, it says that Christ is all in all in order that he might fill the whole universe. You know, every atom will be filled with Christ Jesus in the universe. And we're going to, with him, expand his glory into the universe. It's a glorious thing coming for us. And so God is fruitful and he's multiplying and he's filling. And so he says, I'm going to make man in my image to do the exact same thing. Why did God make us in the first place? For his glory. Because he wants to bring light and life into the universe, into this dark place. And we get little hints of this in Jesus's prayer, the Lord's prayer in John 17, where he says this in verse 11 of John 17. I pray this so that they may be one as we are one. And in verse 24, I want them, those you've given me, I want them to be with me where I am. And then lastly, in verse 26, he says, I want the love that you have for me to be in them. So see, God was perfectly satisfied in the Trinity. He had this holy relationship with himself, perfectly content. And he says, I'm going to expand that love relationship into the church. And so Jesus says, I want them to experience what I'm experiencing, oneness with you, perfect delight with you. And God says, okay, I'll do it. And Jesus says, okay, I'll do it. And he goes to the cross and he brings us in. Isn't this glorious? All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. They'll bring glory to your name. Why? The foundation of why this happens for you are great and you do marvelous deeds. We can never spend too much time contemplating the greatness of our God. Amen? Matthew Henry says it this way. His sovereignty is absolute and incontestable. His majesty is terrible and insupportable. That word insupportable means it's more than can be humanly endured. We'll need resurrected bodies to do it. His power is universal and irresistible. His riches are vast and inexhaustible. His dominion is boundless and unquestionable. God's boring. The Bible's boring. You're boring. I'm boring. I don't feel like talking to God or worshiping. Do we know who we're talking about? And all we need is open eyes to see it. He is great and he does great and marvelous things. He deserves the nations. He deserves you and he deserves me and all of our fire and passion for him. So we prayed from 10 to 1030 when Luke and team were leading. We have a lack of hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this is a problem, yes? My lack of desire for God is a problem. So what do we do? We pray. Make me pant like a deer pants. Make my spirit long for you because I'm weak and I don't long for you, God. And make my brothers and sisters around me do the same thing. He's great and he deserves it all. Isn't that so good? God knows. God knows. 
Okay, that's my primer.